Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, welcome to another edition of the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nelson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman as the clock strikes 2.01 a.m. here in New Orleans, live from my hotel room. Kevin is live from his office in Phoenix. Hey, the Suns won. Kev, let's talk about it. I'm on a stress ball, which I guess is fitting. (laughs) That's how we'll start it. That's fair. That's fair. I dig it. Uh, 114-111. So we... I can't remember how I phrase it exactly because I'm now that I'm here, I'm doing like a radio hit every five minutes, basically, because as I should be for the radio station I work for. And I can't remember what I said on our podcast. I can't remember what I said there. I just don't remember how emphatic I was about saying that they were going to emphatically win game three, but I wrote it in my game preview and all that kind of stuff. I just thought that we were going to see the Suns team we have seen all season finally pop up here after, for the most part, we haven't seen it in this series and let me know if you disagree or not, Kevin, but we didn't, I didn't think we saw that team here again. Uh, I don't feel like, I don't want to say they got lucky to win this game because it was definitely earned, but they did so not in their own traditional way, except for Chris Paul dominating at the end. I, I don't know if you agree with that. Let me know. Uh, I'm going back to our cats talk sessions where we watched Arizona basketball play two games that looked not great, played a third game and they lost not great. And it's, it's the same feeling to me. Now the NBA playoffs obviously is a completely different animal and this is a much better team relative to that team in college, but I'm just getting vibes. Like this is not as good of a team as last year's playoff run team. And there's time for that to change, but I pretty much agree with you. This is not the same look. It's not the same deep team that we, we thought we were dealing with. Yeah, what, I, what, I, what I've been trying to avoid in the, last, um, in the last couple of days has just been treating this like an absolute, like treating this like the Pelicans are a foil for the Suns. And not only that, but the Suns just don't look like the Suns. I was ready to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm still ready to do that after three games. But this was like the point of not no return, but the point where I was going to draw my line in the sand pretty firmly. And I don't know if I'm going to go as far as you right now in declaring that they're not as good as they were last postseason um, right now. Cause I still think there's a couple of games left for them to find that. Um, and I think that's what you're saying too, but I just yeah. think that they're still, they're just getting through whatever they're going through right now. And that's the most confusing part. I know Devin Booker was out in this game and, and we haven't really talked about it much here since uh, the Game two preview, obviously, or the game two review, the podcast from Footprint Center. Booker could miss two to three weeks, according to ESPN's Brian Windhorse. Uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski originally came out with a report saying that it would be unlikely for him. It could be unlikely for him to play games three and four. And there was a lot of could language in there, which ultimately indicated to me that there was nothing concrete about this in terms of a timeline that anyone really knew. Monty said he hasn't had any timeline or or whatever. I know he's not going to say anything on that front, just like he kept telling us Chris Paul was fine in the finals when he was most definitely not fine. So, so who knows on that front, but, but either way, 
I thought that there was a certain threshold that they could still meet as a team in terms of how they were playing together without book. And and they did not hit it in this game. Uh, Deandre Ayton was incredible. Chris Paul was amazing in the fourth quarter, but, and then JaVale McGee was great in this game too. But other than that, there was a really good Landry Shamit stretch in the second quarter. Jay Crowder made a couple of plays late. Mikel Bridges laid great defense on CJ McCollum again. I thought Crowder was pretty good on Ingram too, but offensively it was just there was nothing really there that they were getting consistently they were four of 26 from three which was awful it was a lot of wide open looks jay crowder was 05 shamit was 05 Payne was 0 for two crowder and Payne and shamit all three of them have yet to make a three-pointer in this series so far Mikel bridges was 0 for one and him only getting one three-point attempt in general tells me that something's up in terms of the way the ball is bouncing around chris was one for six willie green kept going under the screens it looks like that long term is paying off for him. It didn't pay off in, at the end of the game one, but since then it has paid off for him. I was just really surprised at how stifled their offense seemed to be, Kevin. And, and I, have to, I have to watch the game back to see like what the fixes are. Cause I don't, it doesn't feel like there's any like clear people are going to say bench Jay Crowder. That's, that's not it. It's they've been a great offensive team with Jay in there the whole year. And even when he was playing like this, when he had stretches like this, where he was shooting the ball poorly, I don't really know what it is, what I put my finger on. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple things. And one is you don't get stops um, for another game. And we, we've talked about how much the Suns are a defense offensive team. Um, so that's one thing when Brandon Ingram's just facing up Mikel and bombing over him because he's longer than Mikel. I think that there is still like a Willie Green influence here where they know what's coming. They're doing a great job. They match up well. That's another thing. Um, so, so I don't really know, like, again, the Suns shot 50%, but when you shoot that poorly from three, it, it looks a lot worse than maybe like they could have put 130 up if they were hitting. They got some good three point looks, but again, their, their looks aren't all like in rhythm and that kind of thing. Like the Paul threes, I thought were forced. They didn't feel like Phoenix Suns, good looks. Um, Shamit missed a couple of good ones that were out of their natural actions that were just misses. So there, there are a lot of things going in there that maybe it would have been um, more distance uh, between the Suns and the Pelicans in this game. And had they made a couple of those threes, obviously, but yeah, I, I think it's a combination of all that once again. But, yeah, give credit to the Pelicans. For sure. Uh, someone will have to prove me wrong here with numbers from game two. I'm trying to go through the Rolodex in my head to remember. But it has felt like through three games that the Pelicans are the team that is actually putting together runs and, like, flurries of offense. And outside of Chris Paul, uh, the Suns haven't really been able to do that and sustain offense not sustain offense, but just find like those three or four minute bursts where they score 14 points in that stretch or whatever. Meanwhile, Devonte Graham has the, those 11 points in, in the first half. I believe it was 11. And then Jose Alvarado had those seven straight points in the fourth quarter in the first half of the fourth quarter, where I started for the first time, actually thinking about if the Suns could lose this series. That was the point when Alvarado was like finishing over Deandre. And I was like, is this just supposed to happen? It's yeah. just like, are the Pelicans just supposed to win this series? Cause what's going on here? Um, so the, the zero, we ended the podcast last time by going percentage wise, how likely we think it is if the Suns will lose, I said zero, I'm not going to be at zero anymore. This was, like I said, the line in the sand for me. 
And and that's not to act like this wasn't a great win because it was a great win for them. And it made it impressive that they were able to win this game despite not getting back to themselves. But DeAndre played probably his best game of the season. You've got to say defensively, he was a maniac uh, in terms of just how he was all over the place. And then offensively, he was dominant. And then Chris Paul does the Chris Paul thing in the fourth quarter. But it felt like he needed to hit almost every single shot that he did. At one point, he had four straight mid-range jumpers and we saw the Pelicans in game two just not miss shots in crunch time, and, and you knew that that possibility was coming. The thing I'm most interested to go back and watch was just Larry Nance like kept taking threes. They went small, and I'm not, I think that was just what the Suns were choosing to give up, and then they kept giving the ball to Nance, and I mean, that's what they've been doing. The Pelicans have been doing. Everyone's been shooting. Everyone's been playing with confidence, but isn't it the way you phrased it, Kevin, is that there's like, it's like freedom and confidence that the Pelicans are playing with that we're not seeing from the Suns right now? Yeah, I mean, Mikel's one guy where, like, they actually started running plays in, in, I think it was the third quarter, and it just, he wasn't hitting things. Um, And they're hunting mismatches like they usually do with Book that I thought was interesting, and they needed to do that, obviously, without Book. Um, They needed to get him and DeAndre more involved offensively. Didn't work out. And, And then after that, it's like, Shamit had a couple moments, and obviously the huge dunk um, over Hayes, but offensively just missing shots, campaign, 13 minutes, like Monty's losing trust in him, it looks like. Some of the weirdest stats are the guys who scored zero points. Torrey Craig was a negative 15 in 10 minutes, scored zero points. On the other side, uh, Trey Murphy, he's the third, 23 minutes plus 21 scored zero points. And that's like a red flag. And I'd have to look at the tape more, but that's just looking at the box score red flag to me. That's like something's wrong with the Suns defense. If that's just like one shooter, I know he's a really good shooter, but if that's breaking your defense and and helping the other guys out that much. So um, just not a lot of great things. Once you get past, uh, Chris Paul, obviously, D.A. was great on both ends, um, really assertive uh, defensively to start. And then JaVale McGee had a great game, too. But other than that, it's like I don't I don't know who for the Suns had good games like Mikel is pretty good on defense, but it's a little bit lacking um, on the offense for him when he needs to step up. So Jackson Hayes gets ejected in the mid-second quarter. JaVale McGee has the awesome quote where he's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that against us. We've kind of proven that like if teams do that stuff to us, that we're going to make it an advantage for us. And they did. They go on a big run and then they lead by 11 at the half. The game was tied at that point. And again, just the way that everything was, the, the offense, both offenses didn't start out well. It's just DeAndre, DeAndre, DeAndre. He's just keeping them alive in the first half, it feels like. It feels like he is saving them from this turning into a 10- or 15-point lead and the crowd just going nuts after every shot kind of thing. And then the Jackson Hayes thing happens. And then from there, they go on the run. We start to see Mikel do a little bit of stuff. They start to get out and transition a little bit. And it's like, okay, like here we go. Is this going to be what, A, what kind of gets them to kind of come back to life to the team that we've seen? And then, two... Is it going to break the Pelican spirit a bit? And we got an emphatic answer. I was talking about emphatic wins and stuff. The most emphatic part of this game was that when the Suns offense again looked like poop, Kevin, for a couple of minutes, that's when the Pelicans immediately ripped off a 12-0 run in like three or four minutes, immediately. Um, 
that's the, the way I phrase it in my story basically is that we've not only learned that they will get back in the game when they're given an opportunity, but they'll take the game. Like they will take possession of it. The way that I talk about like Chris Paul consistently, like snatching up a game when it's up for grabs, the Pelicans have that trade as a team against the Suns for whatever reason, which is weird. Cause I mean, we watched those playing games, Kevin, like it wasn't necessarily any of that. Like that, the team that we've seen in these three games was not the team we were seeing in those playing games, nor was it any of the teams that I saw um, from the games they played against the Suns with CJ. I didn't really see this team. I don't know where this team came from, but it's, it's obviously one of those teams. Now I'm not on this like line where it seems like everyone is treating it like the Pelicans could win this series in six or seven. That's how they felt before tonight. Um, I don't feel that way still. Like people are treating this like if the Pelicans beat the Suns, they would have a serious chance at beating the Mavs or the Jazz with the way they're talking about the Pelicans right now. Let's not go that far. But with that in mind, whatever it is about this matchup right now, which is the way I'm willing to frame it for now, uh, just lets them get to the Suns. And I I don't know. um, I guess the way I should ask it, Kevin, is are you more optimistic, less optimistic, or the same? Because I'm actually less optimistic about the team after a win, but that's just because I had such high expectations for the way they were going to play tonight. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to lose this series, but looking forward, um, look, they have the benefit if the next round is easier. And and we should mention, like, this Pelicans team is coming together and didn't have time to come together after they traded for CJ. So if we're looking to, like, last season, like, the Suns matchup with the Lakers in the first round, it's kind of comparable to me as far as, like, a team with a lot of talent – um, some good pieces that match up well, um, all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's fair to talk about the Pelicans like they might be a thing for years to come now. And if you throw Zion in there at some point, like they're certainly a thing. I mean, I, I like that team and I like them going in. And now that they're playing this well and they look like they're together, um, yeah, I think there's a narrative there that's completely fair. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to decipher whether this is just the Suns working out of funk. And, and Monty did mention post-game, like, he, he almost basically was like, yeah, we're giving our wind back. So we'll see if that was just something he said or if that's, like, true that they're really just like, okay, we were out of it for too long and we're just – um, getting our wits about it. Um, and, and when a dude shoves us in the back and pisses us off, maybe that will be kind of the spark where, okay, maybe not this game, the full game they were, uh, clicking, but after this, they, they start to find something and play like they played all regular season. We hate talking about must wins, Kevin. Uh, this felt like a must win for new Orleans. I, the, the box score I wrote this is not fair to the nights that Ingram and McCollum had. They were very good in this game, but they were not yeah. nearly as good as they were in game two, yet their box scores scoring-wise look better. But the key number, I didn't get to this in my recap, 17 assists for the Pelicans. They had 32 in game two off the top of my head. 11 yeah. of 32 from three. Devontae Graham had a couple of threes in the first half where I was like, they were kind of like momentum and just at one point they went up like nine in the first half, I think during that Graham run. And there were a bunch of threes like that, where it really felt like it could have been backbreaking for the Suns that they went in and they just weren't going down. And I'm talking about the Nance ones. Like there were a couple 
um, that Murphy had. There were a couple that uh, Nance had before that. And then there was one that Jones had in the corner too, which were shots that he was making in the first two games. They got to keep shooting, but they're obviously not a good three-point shooting team. I think it's 33% they were in the regular season and they wind up at 34 in this game. The Suns were at 15 um, but for me, the Pelicans, especially during that Alvarado run, I was like, they got to win. <laughs> they got to win this game. This is, this is nuts. What's going on here. Um, but then Ingram was 11 of 19 for 34 points. McCollum 11 of 23 for 30 points. They had 39 of their 64 combined in the second half. Uh, and then the assist numbers though, remember they each had nine in game two, only two. Uh, for Ingram with two turnovers. And then McCollum had seven with two turnovers. I think that McCollum had five of those. Uh, in in the second half. So I thought the way that they were able to not only neutralize those two in terms of their playmaking, but by default neutralizing their playmaking by getting the right guys to shoot the ball and and not getting burned by these other guys. Imani said they only allowed one offensive rebound in the first half. I don't know if that's 100% factual, but I'm sure it's one or two max when when he says something like that. And then the Suns had nine of their own. Jay Crowder had two of the Luckiest ones you'll ever see, but I mean, hey, who's counting? He, he got those two big baskets uh, around, two big buckets around the basket. The one, the Chris Paul heave at the end of the shot clock when he was trapped. Jay's just sitting under the rim, and the ball literally falls in his hands as it bounces off the front rim. Uh, deserved breaks for them for, for the Suns, though, just because of the way that they played defensively. I think that's the, like the roundabout discussion that we're not getting to. Kevin is like we could sit here for 15 minutes and have been talking about how the Suns are still playing. They played good defense tonight, and that's all that mattered. But we were going around the other ways first, which is the concerns. But to come back to what's good, what's good to come from this game from their perspective is that they have shown that they have the quality of defense necessary to win the series, and they cleaned up. We weren't talking about leak outs at all tonight. Like, there was none of that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I go back to DA. He was, like, first quarter. I mean, he was really, really good to me. Um just second efforts, contesting every shot, rebounding. Um, and if we're looking at other positives, one, lots of the other guys can't play worse. If a couple guys get better and play average compared to the, their usual selves, um, we're looking at a much more you know, competent offensive team. Um, what was my other thing that was positive? I don't even remember. You mentioned offensive rebounding. I think they got to the line a fair bit. I mean, the Pelicans did. Go ahead. You thought of it. Yeah, I I think it's a positive, and it might have been caused by the book injury, that Monty was basically like, I have to go to my bench. Um, Torrey Craig, 10 minutes. Payne Shamit, even a little Biombo for like 30 seconds. But I I think he's opening his mind to, like, I need – to see which guys will come and give me something. And with campaigns struggling, does that mean like Aaron holiday or Peyton? I don't know. Um, But I think it's good that he's thinking this way because I was in game two, I was concerned like, Oh, are they just at an eight man rotation right now? That's not as versatile or, you know, you can't throw a guy in for this game plan. So I'm, I guess I was worried for no reason. Maybe that's my only thing. <laughs> Couldn't be us, Kevin. What us creating anxiety for ourselves? No way. Or creating anxiety for the basketball team. I yeah. guess. Could yeah. be us. No. Uh guess who's twelve of thirty five in this series now, Kevin? Uh, I don't Jonas know. Jonas Valanciunas. 
One of five in this game. He was four of nine in game two, seven of 21 in game one. Had the rebounding a little bit against tonight. I mean, five offensive rebounds, but it just seems like this 26 minutes he was at, that's definitely whatever balance it is that he has to find. He took him, Willie Green took Valanciunas out with like about 4.15 left in the game, I want to say is a random number I thought of. And then Nance, um, Nance came in, got roasted by Chris Paul. I think we have reached the point with the center rotation for the Pelicans for three games where they don't have any good answers and they just have to throw what they have out there, which is a, a big win for the Suns because I, I spotlighted coming into the series how Valanciunas has gotten the better of it and we can nip that in the butt because DeAndre has had two amazing games in the series and Valanciunas hasn't been good in any of them, in my opinion. I'm not even counting the 15 offensive rebounds or however many there were yeah. in the first game. Okay, since Book is out right now and we can just treat him as out until we know otherwise, we're just going to assume he's out for game four, and then after game four, we'll just assume he's out for game five until we hear something else. Does that make sense, Kevin? I think that's a logical assumption for us to run by until we go through it. Um, Let's run through the four. Let's run through, like, the the players not named DeAndre and Chris Paul and JaVale McGee um, because everyone else has really struggled in the series and just go through concern meter, tweaks, anything like that, and run through a couple of guys. Um, let's start with Jay Crowder. What would you think of him tonight? Uh, fine. Uh, bad shooting, but I think everything else he did, Not, I'm not that concerned about Jay for some reason, even though his shot is not even hitting iron sometimes. I think people are really quick to forget that he was arguably their second best player in the finals, depending on how um, aggressive you want to be with Chris Paul's play in the finals. He was probably their third best player by that admission, but I know like Mikel and DeAndre had their defensive moments in those series and like stretches, but I thought Jay was really impactful in that series all series long. Uh, he is also 0 for 14 from three in this series now. <laughs> That's not okay. good, Kev. No. Um, but no one else is hitting shots right now. So if Shamit would have hit four threes in this game, he would have been four or five instead of oh five. That's where you call for, yeah, put Johnson in for Crowder, and then you have Shamit take Booker's spot and go from there. Instead, it was Cam Johnson who started. I wrote about that. It made a lot of sense for him to get in there with that spot, considering Jackson Hayes' size and how he could be another body in switching situations on Ingram and McCollum, who can move his feet pretty well in, in that regard, similar to Booker. But unlike Shamit, like he's got the size to go with Ingram a bit. Uh, Johnson was three of seven from the field, two of five from three, eight points, three fouls in the first half kind of got him out of there. And then Shamit had a, had a really good first half. So he started the second half. Uh, what about those two guys st- stood out to you, Kevin? I think that Cam has to take more than seven shots in 27 minutes. That's a red flag for me. I was red flagged by his missed free throws. So it was weird, but I don't know if I'm overreacting to just two free throws that he missed. Um, he also got his bell rung like four times in this game, the poor guy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, he's been quiet and not like standing out and doing little things. And not that he's not, but he just hasn't. I don't know. Something's off with him. But it might just be he's still coming back. I said this after game one on one of the radio shows. When he was sprinting up and down in game one, he was not moving as fast as he normally does. Like I've seen – Everyone on this team sprint up and down the court enough to know what it looks like when they like hit top speed and he was not getting there. So I think that quad is still bothering him a lot more or it's something else uh, that is bothering him. I'm with you. I just don't think he's right. We'll, we'll see if that's wrong. Shamit, Kevin, my goodness, the, a breakthrough of sorts in the first half, 
We're like, oh my gosh, here's the guy aggressively <laughs> attacking closeouts, looking to shoot, um, running a little pick and roll here and there when they wanted him to, like Crowder and Johnson and Shaman and Bridges were all put in these ball screen situations and they did fairly okay. Um, and then Shamit misses an open three pointer, then turns the ball over and then misses another open three pointer in the span of like two minutes at the start of the, uh, of the second half during that Pelicans run. And then he had two of those Landry Shamit plays where he was wide open from three and didn't shoot, not wide open from three, but kind of open from three and didn't shoot. And then he had another dribble into nothing possession that kind of killed it. And all our progress was seemingly gone, Kevin. So I don't, I thought, but I thought that he played well overall. I thought that defensively as well, he, that was a big, like, okay, we've seen this guy be good on defense, but can he guard CJ McCollum and CJ got him once or twice, but it's CJ freaking McCollum. Um, I thought he was impressive and I thought he was okay in this game. I, I can't tell if it's good or bad that he's like, I have no worries about him defensively. And then the other stuff, it's like, Oh, he plays defense and dunks, but uh, his shootings, uh, (laughs) <laughs> like that's not what you want to think about Landry Shannon. Like, I don't know if that's good or bad though. Lastly, um, I think that Tory Craig is, do we even have to talk about Tory Craig, Evan? He needs to be in there to guard Ingram for a couple of minutes, but whatever else happens, happens. He was going to make it tonight. If he could shoot threes at all, then he would replace Jay maybe, but it's, it's not looking great. No. And he's also been a, like, it just seems like when he's shooting, he's rushing it. And when he's not shooting, he's hesitating. It just seems like he can't find his bounce either. But again, the defense on Ingram for him is worth it alone for him to play 10 minutes. Yeah. This is where we get to campaign, Kev. I do not think that he has looked like himself at all through three games. And I'm at the point where I can't believe I'm saying these words out loud, Kevin. Yeah. I don't think it's crazy for Monty to look to Aaron Holiday here or Alfred Payton. I don't think it would be crazy if he chose to do that in any of the games going in, in, in game four, I guess. But if, if it continues, I won't, I wouldn't call it crazy. Do you agree? Is, yeah, I agree. I mean, is Alfred a new Orleans guy? He is. Vienna guy. Yeah. Give him that. But I mean, I would give holiday a shot just because of the three point shooting, the energy, um, the dribble, what do you say, dribble equity or something like that? Because they're, it's like last season all over again. You you added all these guys, but like you don't have enough ball handlers on this team. Like Shamit, like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, had his moments, but it's not the same thing as Payne off the dribble. Um, even Iron Holiday off the dribble. I think you got to look to him or Peyton there just to help Chris, you know. Payne is 5 of 17 from the field now uh, in this series. He is 0 of 7 from 3, 4 assists, 4 turnovers. The thing, and this is probably being a bit too picky, but he was actually getting to a couple of shots he likes, especially around the rim, but they weren't going in. And that actually had me more worried than the fact that I should be more, I could spin it positively and say he's getting to the spots, but I'm going to choose to spin it negatively and say the shots aren't going in when he's getting there. Um, the people are saying, thing, like, go ahead. Does he have like a really good plus minus in the three games? He keeps ending at pluses, I think. So tonight he was plus four. In the loss, I think you're right. I think it wasn't anything crazy. Yeah, he was plus six in in the first game, or the second game, sorry. And then in the first game, he was minus four. Okay. Um, 
this is, I'm not going to be the, I, I promise I'm not trying to be the person that's stepping up when the moment presents itself to be like, I was right and you were wrong. Me, 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 me. <laughs> um, because Devin Booker is hurt and that drastically changes how much they need campaign Landry Shamit. But holy smokes, this is why we talked about getting Eric Gordon and other names for ball handlers because Payne and Shamit's play to that point just was not consistent enough. But I say that with hindsight, Kevin, over that freaking four-week, six-week stretch, however long Chris Paul was out, my brain doesn't work anymore, where campaign was great. He was fantastic. Um, but this is kind of why we talked about if you can get someone like that for a first-round pick and get it for someone like these expiring contracts, um, or not expiring contracts, but all these deals you don't use, or someone like Shaman is in the deal, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, and this is exactly why, because there are moments in the playoffs, even if Booker was in, Payne is still not playing well. Sham is not playing well. You need another dribble guy. And they could have they could have gotten another dribble guy that was better than the options that they got. And and they didn't. Uh, and it just is what it is. I'm not saying it was right or wrong for them to do because they trusted their guys. And it hasn't paid off yet. And it still could pay off later in the series. We're only talking about three games after all. Yep. It's not the NCAA tournament. When I started with that, I mean, it's the same feelings where it's like, this team is not playing like it used to. Um, like three guys out of 10 or eight are, are playing even like average. But yeah, I mean, that's why the NBA is different. It's you have time. This team is good enough where obviously they're ahead in the series and they're they like, this is probably worst case for this team at this point in the series. And they're still up uh, as far as worst case, like what they look like. Um, I, I guess it could be worse, but yeah, they're still winning the series. So I, I think that's where we have to leave it. I got to look through the numbers tomorrow, but the Suns have shot 50% or better in all three of these games, despite shooting 36, 37, and 15% from three in those three games. So on their twos, they're just shooting out of their minds right now, which a lot of that has to go to DeAndre and Chris. And then obviously um, the game that Booker had, um, the games that Booker had, I should say, in game one and half a game two. But alas, here we are. I, I think like the main thing to close out, Kevin – that we learned from tonight, Ingram and McCollum are about it. And if they're about it as a unit like this with them together, one of them being on the floor at all times, then this is going to be a really tough series. And we're at three games now where McCollum has played. He, he was seven of 18 or whatever in the first game. He or the second game. He didn't shoot that well in the first game, but I thought, I think he's been great. And then obviously Ingram has been a, a stud the last two games specifically. So as long as those two guys are playing at that level, they're going to need a more consistent. That's the thing. DeAndre had the amazing first half. Chris had the amazing fourth quarter. They're going to need some more steady contributions from others, or they're going to need those superstar individual performances to get around the series, which they can get. But I think it's just going to be a lot harder on them if those two guys continue to play the way they have, and it seems like they're going to. Yep. That's three games where they need someone to save them or someone's that's not a collective. And that, you know, that's, I think why we're red flags are up because that's not how this team has played all year and how they made the finals last year. It was, you know, 10 guys in different games would step up. So we'll, we'll see again, time to change and time for them to find themselves. But um, yeah, it's, 
but I guess this is why you have stars to get through these moments, right? Yeah, you can frame it like if Chris Paul didn't have 19 point fourth quarters in two of these games, the Suns are down 3-0 and facing elimination. <laughs> or, yeah. or you could say he's Chris Paul, he's on their team, and that's what he does, which I will choose to do more of the latter, but I think certainly the former has to linger in your head, just like how me and you rattled down the list after they won the Western Conference Finals. It was like, okay, like the 40-point triple-double campaign played the game of his life. The Valley, DeAndre's incredible game four defensively. Chris Paul's a crazy game six, and they needed all of that to get by the Clippers. But that's kind of what the playoffs are about anyway. That's true. Um, anything else stand out to you that we should talk about for game four before you go? I don't think so. I think this is going to be a tough series, but, I mean, it's – Entertainment wise, I think both of these teams are super interesting and just a lot of talent, especially when you look at like a one seed that is supposed to be that far in front of everyone else. Um, from an entertainment standpoint, it's good. It's good for the league, I think. It's very good. Uh, very good Louisiana food I've had here as well. Um, I had crab cakes and shrimp last night. You'll be proud of me, Kevin. I explored Ooh. outside my Chipotle zone. And I appreciate in. your subway tweet, man. Thank you. The best part is some people took that seriously, and those are the people who actually really know me because I will not hesitate to make that kind of move. I'm not really a subway guy necessarily, but like I'll just order Domino's pizza or whatever when I'm in Chicago. Like I'll be that idiot, you know? Just give me yeah. something I like. I'll, I've definitely always been that person, but we're expanding our horizons. We might make the Cafe Dumont trip for the beignets tomorrow morning. I mean, it's 2.30 right now. <laughs> so don't know how much I'm going to look forward to waking up for that. So maybe that'll be just another day. Uh, but we're definitely going to hit something food-wise tomorrow night again and then keep it going. Hit a couple of the spots people tweet to us because they're one for one so far. That seafood was fire. Shout nice. out to everyone who uh, tweeted us in. Maybe I'll just go with the BLT at Subway Cafe because – Ooh. Eat fresh never turns you wrong. Ever. Was it the Tatum or the Green? I don't remember. <laughs> the Jalen Tatum sandwich. What an incredible callback. Look at that. Look at that mind still rocking up. I might have purchased it once. I might have purchased it once. The child, the child is 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 yours, and here you are just still calling back to NBA subway commercials. Like, <laughs> nothing, like nothing has changed. No. All right, buddy. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We will be back after. Game four, which hopefully does not uh, get delayed by half an hour again, because, oh, boy, 8.30 local start, and then you get delayed a half an hour. That wasn't very enjoyable. Don't leave your belongings in front of places where games are happening. That is all. Please, please do not do that. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.